Well, I'm glad you're here today. I told my wife, we were just sitting in the chair, and I said, gosh, honey, I sure do love our church. It just feels alive to me. It's not just a, a duty to come on church, to show up on Sunday morning, but it, it, it's a desire to be with God and be with God's people. I think that's the way it's supposed to be. Well, you know, I sure love Charlie Brown. I remember I learned a lot about Christmas from Charlie Brown. You, you know, and if you've got kids or grandkids, I can't think of a better gift to give them than that Charlie Brown Christmas. Because most Christmas shows today, listen, if you look on the Hallmark Channel, you're not going to hear, you'll see Christmas movies, but you're not going to see a lot about Jesus. You're not going to find many cartoons about Jesus, but Charlie Brown will shoot straight with you, won't he? He'll he'll tell you about the birth of Christ. Let me just say welcome to all that are viewing online. We're super glad you're tuning in. But there's something about Charlie Brown. You know, Charlie Brown was, was you know, you see the pictures everywhere, um, 10 days till Christmas, 14 days till Christmas, and it's like Charlie Brown wants Christmas to hurry up and get here. I don't know if you remember, I, I remember when I was a kid going to the tree and, 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 and mom would have the presents wrapped and you'd shake them. And th- did anybody ever open a present before Christmas and then wrap it back? Let me see your hands here. Of all you that are making this confession here, I can't believe it's that many in the room today. But there was just this sense that you wanted Christmas to get there. But yet at the same time, Charlie Brown couldn't make it go any faster. Charlie Brown, it was bound by time. He had to wait each day until Christmas morning came. And I want to take this concept of time, and I want to look into the Bible today. Uh, there, was, there was a countdown in heaven before Jesus was born. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, and I want you to listen to the language of time. In those days, it was not the prior days or decades earlier, but as it was that moment in time, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census or a registration of the population should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, Caesar Augustus was the first emperor of the Roman Empire. Arguably, he was the most powerful man in the world at the time of Jesus Christ. But yet, unknowingly, he was a pawn in the hand of God. Unknowingly, he was like a puppet because when he told the people to go to their hometown, what he was actually doing is fulfilling an ancient prophecy six or 700 years earlier by the prophet Micah that predicted the town in which Jesus would be born. And by the way, if you're skeptical of the claims of Christianity and not sure if it's true or maybe you consider yourself an agnostic, I think one of the, uh, the greatest ways you can find the validity of the Bible and the Christian message is to study fulfilled prophecy. How predicting something 700 years earlier and it comes to pass. Well, anyway, verse 3. Everyone goes to their own town to register. And Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth, here it is, to Bethlehem. And he went there to register with Mary, who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. It's as if God has a giant clock advancing time to fulfill his purpose. When we think of Christmas, we think of trees and presents, but I want you to focus this morning on that clock and realizing that God had a clock that was moving forwards in time until the right time came for the Savior of the world. It was predicted thousands of years earlier, even in the Garden of Eden, 
when um, Adam and Eve were driven from the garden and God clothed them with the skins of an animal. It was blood that was shed to atone for their sins. And Jesus himself was introduced by John the Baptist. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So it's as if in, 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 in before Genesis, there was eternity. In Genesis, time begins and time will be over in Revelation. And if I could use this, it's somewhat of a crude example. But imagine time is like a giant escalator in an airport. You know, the one that goes hundreds of yards. It starts in Genesis, it ends in Revelation, and it, ref it, it reflects the beginning of time to the end of time. And for each one of us, there was a day that we were born, and if you can imagine, a pair of little shoes got on that escalator just for you. But the problem with these shoes, like Charlie Brown, you can't run faster and you can't run backwards. You're on that escalator and there's a movement. And one day, your life will be over and you step off the escalator, as it were. But what I want to convey this morning, as you think about time, how many know we look around our world today, and our world is, is a troubling place to me right now. I'm troubled because of the global pandemic. I'm, I'm troubled because of the corruption in our government. I'm troubled because of inflation. I'm troubled because of the future of our economy. I'm troubled because of the antagonist, antagonism towards Christian people and the values of traditional America. It's like there's this woke movement in America that wants to replace biblical values and tradition with something else that we don't know what it is. And I'm very troubled. But what I want to convey to you this morning is the same God that was controlling time in the time of Christ's birth is the same God that's in control today. Amen. It doesn't mean that God makes everything happen that happens. We have free will. But God is in control. If you can remember when you were a child, I can remember uh, when I was a little boy, a terrible tornado came through where I lived. Those horrible tornadoes that came through America just a few days ago. But when I was a little boy, this tornado was coming. We didn't have sirens. You could just hear the sound of the tornado. And I remember we crouched behind the couch in our living room. And a mom got out the Candyland game. And somehow it made me feel secure because my mom and my dad were there. Well, that's what I want to tell you today. In some very real way, all of us are like little kids. And our God is in control. It's like you can look at this insanity in the world and before you just let it escalate your anxiety, we can just pause and take a deep breath knowing that God is in control. Now, this is what I want to convey to you this morning. But the second thing I want to convey is that, is that uh, uh, we need to use our time wisely. And that's kind of embodied. I've entitled the message, God Controls the Hands of Time. And I want to do two things as embodied in our spiritual truth today. I want to try to create an assurance in your heart that God's in control. And if God's in control, I don't have to allow worry and fear and anxiety to torment my soul. That I can just periodically stop, take a deep breath and say, I believe and entrust my future to Almighty God. And this, the second thing I want to be able to do today is to challenge you to look at the escalator of your own life knowing that we don't know how much time is left and we want to use that time wisely. So let's begin. God controls the hands of time. And uh, I first want to give you some background or some foundation and then the message will turn very practical. But kind of background here, let me say this. God created time. God created time, Genesis 1, in the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth. In other words, in the beginning when eternity, I, I don't want to say stop because eternity is continuous, but when eternity met time, that was the beginning. There was no creation as we know and understand it. God was pre-existent. God is eternal. It's not the universe that's pre-existing. It is God, the creator, that's pre-existing. But God said in verse 3, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day and the darkness night, a 24-hour period. Evening and morning passed, marking the first day. And since that day, there have been multiplied thousands of 24-hour periods of time called days. Uh, God placed the sun and the moon and the planets in such a, such a tilt or such a, a, a distance from one another that we have seasons. We have winter. We have summer. Uh, I like that. I, when I lived in California, thank God I'm redeemed. But when I lived in California, <laughs> there are two seasons, warm and cool. And, uh, but I like it here. Uh, I, I like it when the leaves fall off and you come in winter and we build a fire last night and, and it was warm. I like that. But long about February, I'm ready for some change to come. And somehow the planets tilt a little bit and we get more sunshine and the spring begins to come forth. And then before you know it, it's summer. And then we're, you're, we're wondering, you know, why we wanted summer to be here. And uh, we endure it a while and then fall comes. And we, we're so used to this, but it's the cycle of time that was created in, in, by God in, there in the early part of Genesis. And let's say God is eternal. He's not bound by time. But I can't convey that to you any better than my algebra teacher could say, draw a little squiggly line that looks like that and call it infinity. Well, you see, I can't understand infinity because my whole orientation to life in the world is bound by some time-space continuum. But God is outside of time. Listen to what the psalmist says. To you, God, a thousand years is like the passing of a day. Now, I can say 2021 was like the passing of a day because it's within the scope of my time on the escalator. But God says... Thousand years. He could easily have said 10,000 years is like a day. You see, he lives in a different realm. God knows the future before it happens. God, as it, is, as it were, superintends or oversees time. He sees the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. But God, God knows what's coming in the future. Mark 13, uh, Jesus is speaking. And Jesus speaks about the second coming and the end of the world. Jesus said, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, but only the Father knows. And that should create an assurance. Listen, that doesn't mean there's not going to be trouble. That doesn't mean there's not going to be hardship. That doesn't mean there's not going to be lack. That doesn't mean there's not going to be suffering. But the, all that came in the world because of sin, and God is taking this escalator towards a time when there'll be no more of that stuff. You see, the Bible says one day there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more crying because the former things are passed away when time is swallowed up in eternity. Back to this idea that God knows, Acts 2.23, Paul, uh, Peter speaking on Pentecost, he said God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed and nailed to a cross. In other words, the crucifixion of Christ was not an accident. The crucifixion of Christ was not a failure of his followers to protect him. But before Adam and Eve fell, God in his foreknowledge knew that humanity 
would be separated from their creator because of sin. And we need a savior to restore ourselves back to God. That's why we, have, we celebrate Christmas. The birth of Christ, the savior of the world. And God knows the end from the beginning. It's sad though, sometimes we as human beings, we're trapped in time, but we don't have the discernment to know what time means. In our own day, let me read a scripture, Luke 12 Jesus turns to the crowd and said, when you see the clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, here comes a shower. You know how to interpret weather signs of the earth, but you don't know how to interpret the present time. Horrible tragedy, these tornadoes that swept through America. But if you've got a little age to you, you don't need the weather channel to tell you if it's 80 degrees in December and a cold front's coming in, you're going to have a, a clash of violent air that's coming through. Um, it doesn't take an advanced degree to be able to look at our culture and look at the Bible and know that the end of time, the second coming of Christ, the fulfillment of the book of Revelation is upon us. Now, I'm not saying it's tomorrow, but it could be day after tomorrow. I say, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, let's just take this, the whole vaccination thing. Yeah, forget a second whether you're for or against, but what's happened in the world? Uh, in the, since since the, the age of communication, the Industrial Revolution, you know, this seems to be the first time where all the world is united against this enemy and humans have the ability to solve it, vaccinations. But the problem is, because how I many know one day there's going to be an Antichrist coming on the scene? And this Antichrist, the Bible predicts, will rule the world. But the problem with the vaccine is if you've got a card, you can make it on the copy or you can steal somebody else's. But in Sweden, I read just a couple days ago, they're already putting the vaccine uh, chip in a person's hand so you can gain access to work you can go places again you can buy you can sell the book of revelation predicted 2000 years ago that you'll not be able to buy or sell without this mark or the mark of the beast so when we look at the times we don't have to be afraid of the future just look at the escalator and know that we're getting closer to the second coming of christ that should that should make you thrilled you say, well, pastor, think of all the things I won't be able to do. Well, God bless you. If you want to stay here, you can. But for me, I, I want to get on up there. You say, I I'm going to a place where there is no closing of turkey season. Come on now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to a place where there is no limit on duck hunting. I mean, it's everywhere, every time of the year. I have no clue what's heaven going to be like, but it's going to be a good place. And does it seem like sometimes our life on earth, though it's not perfect, it's so good, we just want it to freeze frame the way it is and stay the way it is? Have you ever just said, I wish I could just freeze life right now? Well, listen, don't be like that. Look at that escalator. Come on now. And we're looking forward to the coming of Christ. There's two words in the New Testament that emphasize two dimensions of time. The first is chronos, the Greek word chronos. Think of a, a, chron a chronographic watch. It means a chronological measurement of time, hours, days, weeks. Jesus said in John 7, uh, I'm with you only for a short time, and then I'm going to the one who sent me. In other words, he, I'm only going to be on earth three years. But there's another word for time that I think is, has great bearing for the believer. It's called kairos. And kairos refers to the spiritual significance of a time, a season, or an era. 
For example, Jesus said in Mark 1.15, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. In other words, that's the first thing out of his mouth when he began to preach, that there is a new dispensation now. I, the Savior of the world, has come. Now, I want to go back before I go further, and I want to dig a little deeper in this idea that God is in control of time. If we went back to the time and world affairs, if we look at Abraham, Genesis 18, again, now, God has given this man a promise. I don't know exactly how many years, but about 20 years, a long time. And he's promised Abraham that he's going to have a son, and this son is going to have so many descendants, it's going to be like the stars of the sky. The only problem, he's 100 years old and he doesn't have a baby. And his wife's about to catch up with him. And how many know 90-year-old women don't have babies? And all the women said, praise the Lord. But in Genesis 18, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, time, I'm going to return to you at this chronos moment, but it'll have a, a kairos significance. And next year, Sarah will have a son. In the 21st chapter of this historical record, Sarah conceives, bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time God had said. So God is controlling the clock of humanity. It happened in Joseph's life as well. Psalm 105, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. He's a 17-year-old boy. He has dreams that those brothers and sisters in the world will bow before him. It'll be realized when he's in his 30s, when he becomes the, 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 the vice president of all of Egypt. But for 13 years, he waits for the escalator to move forwards. God, though, is moving it forwards. Same thing with John the Baptist's parents. How many know the book of Malachi predicted the forerunner of Christ would come? And then it happened at just the right time. At just the right time, it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby. Uh, God's unseen hand orchestrated time. And I want you to just take a deep breath today. That same unseen hand is orchestrating time today. It doesn't mean that we won't have problems on this escalator trail. But what it simply means, we are not alone. God is with us, and God this is taking this world somewhere that the Democrat or Republican Party have no idea. <laughs> now, let me give you some practical observations about the nature of time. This is not a Bible verse, but it has one to support that idea. The days are long, but the years are short. In other words, you're Charlie Brown or your kids shaking those presents at Christmas tree and mama said you can't open them for 10 days. And it seems like every day is longer and longer and longer. The days are long, but yet years are short. James 4 says this, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. Think about it. It's here a little while, then it's gone. Now, don't let that bum you out. Again, when our life is over, come on now, heaven and eternity begins for us. But for some reason, everybody wants to go to heaven. I mean, who wants to go to heaven? Yeah. All right, drop your hands. Raise your hand now. Who wants to go to heaven right now? Less hands. And I bet you the ones that raise their hands is because they have some problems going on in life. 
When life is good, come on now, you've got health, you've got money, and you've got your kids and grandkids, and everything is just going great, and, 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 and you got to buy your own Christmas present, come on, you can wait a little while to go to heaven. But seriously, let me talk about, about the days are short and these years, or the years are short. Um, this is 55 years ago, and it's my family. We, we, we lived in a little country house in Mississippi. I, I'm the handsome one in the back there. I guess I'm about 10. But that's my mom next to me. On the left there is my grandparents. I sure love them, Nana and Gran. That's my sister there uh, on the left. On the right side, uh, that's my grandparents on my mom's side. They're the ones that immigrated from Latvia in World War II. And that's my brother on the bottom there. He's probably mad because he's not getting a Christmas present. <laughs> but what I want you to see is 55 years ago. Now, we, our Christmas tree uh, was a cedar tree. We lived in the country in rural Mississippi, and uh, uh, at one of the highlights of the year, when Dad, when I was little, Dad would pick it out, but when I got older, I would find our Christmas tree. I used to, my job was to drive the tractor in these little fields and cultivate the crops, and I'd always be on the lookout because these cedar trees would grow along fence rows, and when it came time for Christmas, Dad gets his yellow McCullough chainsaw, we put it in the truck, and we'd go and cut down our Christmas tree. And it was a very, very special time. Mom would spray this spray snow on all the Christmas tree, and we'd hang up icicles and make, and make ornaments. And it was a really cool time. But my grandmother had an artificial tree. And I just thought, that is the dumbest thing. I will never have an artificial tree. <laughs> well, let me fast forward 30 years. All my grandparents had to get off the escalator. They're gone. And now I have children. I live in Texarkana. And naturally, Christmas tradition, I want to go get us a Christmas tree. So there was a little Christmas tree farm somewhere down Highway 59. I can't remember where it was, beyond Atlanta somewhere. But we would go. We probably did it for six, eight, ten years. They had a little sleigh. They would ride you around in hot chocolate, and it was just the coolest thing. And we'd put that tree in the truck, and we'd bring it home, and that was our Christmas tree. But something happened, the Christmas tree, because time on this escalator, I don't know, they ran out of trees or they got tired of doing it, but the farm closed and I had to go to Lowe's. <laughs> now that was about 15 years ago. And we did that for several years, but it was just not the same. Going up, picking up the tree, knowing it's been dead for three weeks and you bang it on the ground and a pound of needles fall off of it. Well, anyway... When the kids got older, one, one Thanksgiving, uh, we wanted to put up a Thanksgiving. They said, Dad, get the tree, get the tree. So I go over to Lowe's by myself, and I looked at that $80 tree, and I thought, this is stupid. <laughs> so after Christmas, we bought a real nice artificial tree. <laughs> the days are long, but the years are short. Because now I'm my grandfather. Psalm 139 says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. Let me give you a couple more observations. These are just practical observations about time. God is never late, but rarely early. Acts chapter 12, the scenario is King, Grippa, King Herod Agrippa, he's the bad guy. He had the apostle James killed. In verse 3, he arrests Peter. Now, you don't have to have Pastor Cole's degree to know that if you kill James, you're fixing to be killed in the morning. 
So he's asleep. And look at verse 6. The night before he's placed on trial, suddenly an angel appears and says, get up. And a miracle happened. His chains fell off and he gets out. But it didn't happen. First of all, God didn't stop him from going to jail. And it didn't happen the first few hours he was in there. It seemed to have happened at the last possible time. And that's a, that happens often in the Bible. Remember Jehoshaphat uh, in Chronicles, the army? Remember they're out, they're going to get up in the morning. They're going to fight this innumerable army. And when did God destroy the enemy? <laughs> While they were walking out to fight. God could have done it earlier, but he didn't. Jesus feeds and needs to feed multitudes of people. It's probably about 10, 30, or 11, and, and, and Peter, the planner, Peter says, hey, Jesus, we got, you know, a couple 10,000 people here, 20,000 people, men and women. Uh, they need some food. You're going to need to quit preaching about 11 o'clock and uh, let these guys go to town and buy some food. And uh, lo and behold, it's 12 o'clock, and they walk on. And then Jesus looked at him and said, you buy it. You take care of it. And they're looking at their watches and said, where in the heck are we going to get enough food for this many people in an hour? And then 12.05, they walk up with a lunchbox, and Jesus said, sit down. He blesses it, and a miracle happens at the last moment. Uh, Abraham, why did God wait for until he was 100 to have a baby? Why couldn't he have had the baby when he was 60 or 70 or 80 or, or 40? But why did God wait? How about, how about uh, when Jesus is in the boat with the disciples, and the ship starts doing like this why didn't God stop it when the first wave came over the boat why did it have to get so bad that the disciples said help us we're gonna die I think I have something for you here while we're waiting our faith can get stronger and our dependence on God alone gets deeper because typically when we enter into the problem we rely on our own resources and abilities but when we've exhausted our own resources and abilities Nothing but God. So if you find yourself in that spot, don't fight it. Get close to God. Let me give you another one. Opportunities or open doors from God are often time sensitive. We need to go through them before they close. Now, you remember Saul in the Bible? Saul was this highly educated Jewish man. Saul was a zealot. He was a Pharisee. I mean, he, he excelled in the Jewish religion, and they hated Christians. So Saul is going around killing Christians in the early in the part of the book of Acts. And for whatever reason, God allowed that escalator of his murderous ways to go for a period of time. And then he reached some period of time, and it was a God moment. It was a Kairos moment. And God said, had enough. All of a sudden, he was blinded in the middle of the day, falls off his horse, and he looks to heaven as a blind man and said, who are you, Lord? That's where we picked the story up the historical account. Acts chapter 9, verse 9. Uh, for three days, Saul was blind. Time. Every hour went by, he's blinded. And then the Lord spoke to Ananias in a vision and said, Ananias, the Lord said, go to the house of Judas and ask for a man named Saul. He's praying for me there's this opportunity. There's something happened right now. I need someone to take advantage of. And, of course, Ananias told Jesus what he didn't already know. He's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls on your name. But the Lord said, go, or almost like, go right now. Get off your duff and go, or I'm going to have to get somebody else. 
So what am I saying? Opportunities or open doors from God are often time sensitive. And if we don't act, the door may close. There's some things that, you have, that have to be engaged in the moment, and once they're gone, they're gone forever. Now, I don't know if there's bragging in heaven, but I imagine Ananias has something to kind of puff out and brag about. When we're going around in heaven, I guess we'll do this, and we're pointing out people that we've led to Christ, or, or maybe we'll point over Bibles that we've sent overseas or whatever the case is, and somebody uh, asks Ananias, what did you do? And he'll say, I didn't do much. I just, I just influenced the greatest apostle in the history of the world. I got him healed. I got him filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what I did. What if he'd have said no? He'd have missed the greatest opportunity of a lifetime because he was at a Kairos moment. Let me give you one more principle here. Our time on earth is limited. Now, this is where I struggle. I don't feel like that. I don't feel like my grandfather, even though I look like him. I tell your neighbor, he looks good for 64. Go ahead and just please say that right now. Say it loud. Thank you, honey. I look at me every day, and I know you're lying in church. <laughs> but the days are long, but the years are short. And we whistle when we go past the graveyard. But our time on earth is limited. Psalms chapter 90, verse 9, uh, Moses said this, Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. In other words, that's about how long you're going to live, Moses said, 70 or 80. Uh, but then he said in verse 12, teach us how short our lives really are so we may be wise. Now, look, i, I got to be honest with you. Death bums me out. Thinking about dying bums me out. The Bible says death is the last great enemy to be destroyed. It's like we have faith, but there's the uncertainty on the other side when we get off the escalator. We don't, we don't know what's going to be there. We, we just know it by faith. But by faith, we believe that to be absent from the body, come on, is to be in the presence of the Lord. That God is going to reward us for our faithful service. We're going to be with the Lord forever. There's going to be no more problems. We're going to have work to do. Turkey season will go on perpetually. There'll be no closed seasons. There'll be no limits. That was my joke, okay? <laughs> Heaven is a good place. Heaven is a good place. But teach me how short my life is so I can be wise. The average life expectancy for a woman in the United States today is 81. For a man, it's 77. But here's a picture of a sweetheart here. Her name is Francisca Lola Susano. I bet she was a cutie. She's 124 now. But she died. She stepped off the escalator. What's the point? Our time on earth is limited. You don't know if you're going to make it to 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 or whatever. But at some point, you step off the escalator. Since it's so uncertain, now hear me this. You should use the, left, the rest of our time, we should use it wisely. And I want to spend the, fast, the last few moments talking about what does that mean. How do I use my time wisely? And there's a lot we could say, but I'm going to point to two things. Pick the right people to spend your life with and stay focused on the right priorities. Pick the right people 
and the right priorities. Now, young people, I want you to listen to me in particular on this first one. If I spend the, I can either spend time with the right people or the wrong people. Here's what the Bible said in Psalm 26. I don't spend time with liars and I, I don't go along with hypocrites. Why is that? Because you're going to become like the people you hang out with. I don't want to be a liar. So I'm not going to hang out with them. The Corinthians says, don't be fooled. Bad friends ruin good habits. If you hear me, kids, now spending time with the right people will make life better. And spending time with the wrong people will make life worse. I had someone last night told me that their dad told them all the time that you show me your friends today and I'll show you your future tomorrow. Let me, let me kind of illustrate this if I can. And I'm going to take some liberty. Um, do you hear about the robbery of Delauder's grocery store in Maud? Well, do you know where Maud is? Yeah. Okay, you people on the Arkansas side, we're, it's that away. It's a little beyond Redwater. But it's out there. And I, I, let me tell you what, they have this place called Main Street Cafe. It's a takeout Mexican place, and it is primo. I make my wife buy me stuff there all the time. But they have this grocery store, it's called Delauder's. And according to the police report recently, uh, Delauder's was robbed. It was four people, and they stole an ATM machine and some beef jerky. <laughs> and they suspected that they got stuck in a ditch, and somebody pulled them out. Now, I don't have any facts about this, but I just want to guess a little bit. If I was guessing, I would say these four guys were country guys, I don't think they came in from New Orleans. Come on, they're not George Clooney types and going to rob the casino. These people were probably from the local area somewhere. Uh, they probably grew up together. They've probably been hanging together a long time. They argued every day or every weekend who was going to buy the beer. Come on, they were, they, they, were, they were just hanging together. And I can virtually guarantee you either their mom, their girlfriend, or their wife frequently said, I don't like it when you hang out with that guy. I suspect maybe they had the munchies one day and they went to DeLauder's because they make a great hamburger. I suspect they had the munchies one day and they're sitting around waiting for it to get better and there's an ATM machine in there somewhere and they looked at that money popping out and thinking, one of them said, I bet we can get that thing. And the other one walked by and figured out how to get it off the floor and how to put it in the pickup truck. Well, now you know what? When they catch them, they're going to be spending in time in jail together. Because they were influenced by the wrong people. Now, think about this use of time. Imagine now a group of kids, let's say 16, 17 years of age, live here in Texarkana. Fields of Faith came up several months ago. And all of them, unbeknownst to themselves, they were buds and friends, but unbeknownst, they were having this kind of pulling towards God and the way they were going to live. So they went and they answered the altar call there. And they met Pastor Cole and uh, he invited them to the youth group and they started coming every Wednesday night. Then they got involved in the small groups and then they started serving. And one of them heard uh, Pastor Cole say that there was going to be this really cool uh, uh, missions trip where they would go and serve the poor. And he told his other buddies, not to rob the ATM machine, but he said, let's go on the mission trip together. Can I tell you what? The lives of these two people are going to be radically different. And it was determined by the people they spent time with. But it's not just between good and bad. For Christians, it can be between good, better, and best. For example, what type of Christian fellowship do I hang out with? 
Am I hanging out with people that, you know, send each other dirty jokes and filthy memes and, and those kind of things? Am I hanging out with Christians that are, I don't know, happy to go to church once or twice a month and, and you know, thinks all the church wants is my money, would never give a penny? Is that who I'm hanging out with? Or am I hanging out with people that come to early prayer? Uh, am I hanging out with people that are serving the Lord in some way? Am I hanging out with people that, that tell their spouse, hurry up out there and get that angel tree because I want to buy some poor kid a present? The people you hang out with will not only determine good and bad, but they'll determine good, better, best. Tell your neighbor he's preaching pretty good this morning. Now, let me spend the last couple moments not only spending time with the right people, but spending time on the right priorities. Now, this scripture, I think, is probably the, the, the best of the day that summarizes what we're talking about. Ephesians 5.15, look carefully is how you should walk. Now, he's not talking about walking in the leaves and avoiding the copperhead. He's talking about how you live your life. Not, and here's the contrast, not as an unwise person, but as wise, making the Come on, say it with me. Best. best use of the time. Now, how many know if the Bible says we can have the best use of our time, we can also have the wrong use of our time. Make the best use of your time, your new King James, redeem the time, the days are evil. So here's my question. What is the best use of time? And I would suggest to you, in the context of your life, use your time to serve the Lord and fulfill God's purpose in your life. Now, listen, I'm not saying that you're supposed to quit your job. I'm not saying you're supposed to give up your hobbies. I'm just saying intertwined in the way you live your life, serve the Lord. Follow his priorities for your life. Amen. Nothing is more important. You know, it's funny what's important to us in life. Whatever we believe is important is what we do. Several years ago, Linnell, and it's probably 20 years ago, somebody got, uh, Linnell and I gave us access to a cabin somewhere up in the Washita Mountains. And it was, it was way in the boonies, totally isolated. And I had just started turkey hunting and probably hadn't ever killed a turkey. But that was kind of like the new thing that was driving me. And uh, I got there, and when I went in that house, right above the fireplace were three big turkey tails, fans, and long beards. And I thought, I wonder if I'll ever be able to shoot a turkey or have something like that. Well, that became my hobby. And today I look around my house and there's probably 10 of them hanging up in different places and beards everywhere. And, but the little mites eat the feathers and they don't last. So what's my point? Having fun is a great thing in life. The Bible speaks about enjoyment. First Timothy 6, God gives us the material goods and, and money so we can enjoy life. But there's more to life than having fun. There's more to life than turkey hunting or whatever your hobby happens to be or whatever the passion of your life is. There's more to life than making money. There's more to life than just getting bigger, better, and more and best. The most important use to your time is serving the Lord and doing what he's called you to do. Because most of this life is just lived on the escalator, and when it's gone, it's gone. I tease my daughter-in-law all the time. I, you know, she didn't like turkey tails in the house. And uh, I tease her all the time because my son had a couple nice ones, and uh, they lived out in his garage. Well, if I go to heaven before Linnell does, I bet you she gets rid of most all of my turkey tails. Because they don't mean 
anything in the grand scheme of life. Tell your neighbor he's preaching better than there are many. Actually, he's meddling a little bit today. <laughs> Serving the Lord and doing his purpose. And let me mention, let me add one thing to that. If we would focus on reaching lost people before it's eternally too late, lest we forget the reason we celebrate Christmas is because the world needs a Savior. The world, the Bible teaches, it says it's appointed unto man once to die, once to get off the escalator, and then the judgment. Every person will stand before God on judgment day. Every person you and I have ever met, and they'll either go to heaven, they'll go to a real place called hell. Salvation of the lost is why Christ was born. Listen to what Jesus said. The harvest is plentiful, but workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. What does that mean? He's saying, church, come on the weekend, learn the word of God, worship God, get prayed for, get encouraged, and then go out and do what you're called to do. Reach people for Christ. Rescue those that are drowning in sin. Rescue those that are in need of a Savior. This is why we share our faith. It's why we do missions. It's why we buy Bibles. It's why we help the poor. It's why we teach kids. It's why we're starting an alternative pregnancy resource center. All these things that we do. We do because we recognize a soul, an eternal soul, hangs in the balance. And it just might be that God wants to use you and God wants to use me to reach the people around us. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand. I'll close with this thought. 13 days, we're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. I want you to... Walk away from today with two things. First is that when the world seems like it's spinning out of control, all you have to do is look on your phone. All you have to do is read the news. I mean, uh, who knows where inflation is going to take us? You think you don't have enough to retire today? Let inflation stay with us a while. Well, I, 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 I bought my first house, I think, in the early 80s. The interest rate was something like 18%. It was a negative amortization. I mean, it was just our, 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 our economy has gone crazy. Uh, this pandemic, who knows where it'll go? Who knows once government gets a taste of power, who knows where they're going to take us? All this stuff can make you worried and fearful. All this stuff can make you afraid of tomorrow. Look at me now. Don't be afraid of tomorrow. God controls our lives. God is the one that's orchestrating time. And God is the one. Jesus himself said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will always be with you. Come on, even to the end of the age. Well, the second thing I want to tell you is this. Time is measured by our life. It's the day I step on that escalator and the day I step off. Time is God's gift to us. But what we do with our time is our gift to God. So we have for the rest of our life a decision to make. Am I just going to live life having fun and more, better, best? Or will I start living my life every day serving the Lord, reaching people before it's eternally too late? Psalm 39 says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He is worthy of all our praise. King Jesus, 
Why don't you stand to your feet and don't go to Cracker Barrel yet, okay? I don't mean you walking out. I just mean in your mind. I want to ask you this question as our worship team comes back. What did God say to you today? That's a real question. What did the Holy Spirit kind of whisper in my ear or nudge me? Or what did I get convicted about today? Or what decision do I feel compelled to make today because of what I heard? See, I realize that the key to success in a sermon is not just what I do. It's the voice within the voice. It's the voice of God speaking to you about your own personal life. I want you to just bow your head just a moment as creating a little private space for you and God. And I want you to just talk to the Lord just a minute. Just ask him. Say, Lord, what does this mean to me today? If you're watching online, why don't you do the same right now? Stand up, kneel at your feet. But just say, Lord, what does this mean to me? And I bet you some of us will have things come to our mind like, I need to live more consciously of serving the Lord every day. I don't need to be afraid of tomorrow. My life is in God's hands. I need to give my life towards reaching people for Christ. I've been wasting time and I don't know how much I've got left but whatever time I have left I want to use it to serve the Lord with all my heart why don't you just slip your hands to heaven and you say why do you do that it's kind of like a little child a child reaching out to the father and say Lord will you help me just ask him right now say Lord help me help me have a wise use of time Help me not get distracted by things that don't matter. And help me have the right people influencing me. Lord, if I've got some of the wrong friends in my life and they're bringing me out to rob an ATM machine, I need some better friends. Help me, Holy Spirit, today. Don't let me forget this. Let me live it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, great honor to have you today. Here's how we're going to close our service. They're going to have one last song and then dismiss. But I want to ask our prayer team if you'd come down to the altar right now. And uh, they're going to be here, some men and women, if you'd like for somebody to pray for you. Maybe something came up in the course of of the message today. Or maybe you missed the early prayer. Whatever it may be. But if you want somebody to pray for you, I need some more prayer team members to come on up here. Slide down a little bit here. If you want somebody to pray for you, men and women will be here. But let me ask you this thing as well, and just stay with me now, eyeball to eyeball. Remember when we talked about stepping off that escalator? In case you didn't know this, when a little baby's born, that wasn't that baby's doing. All that baby did was, was, was born like my little Mia was four months ago and stepped on their escalator. And she started living her life. And one day, everybody steps off. One of my granddaddies died in his mid-70s. I don't know what his hurts or pain were, but he was drinking a case of beer a day and smoking a pack of cigarettes out of heart attack on the back porch. One of my grandmothers died with breast cancer. My other grandmother died one month short of 100 years of age.
but all of us face death. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And that's why we need a savior. And if you're here today and you're not 100% sure if you'd go to heaven when you died, we'd like to pray for you today. If you're here today and just simply say, Pastor, I just need to get my life right with God. I've been going the wrong way and I'm ready to go the right way with God. We want to pray with you today. It's a, it's a, it, when, when, the day that you make a decision to follow Christ, though it, it means asking God for forgiveness, the big part is committing your life to follow Jesus. And if that's the decision you need to make today, you need to get right with God. I'm going to encourage you when we start singing this song, just make your way over to the cross on your right, and somebody will meet you there, and they'll pray for you. And, uh, and we'll believe together for God's best to be done in your life. So go ahead and just begin to sing on this last song. And uh, you want prayer? Come on, let us pray for you. Bottom line, if you want to get your life right with God, we'll see, see you at the cross. I love you and thank you for coming. Amen. Hey, just one moment before we go into our worship song, I wanted to close service by celebrating this morning with a water baptism. We have a student... We've talked about the commitment and what it means to truly follow Christ. And today he's ready to make a public profession in Christ by being baptized. Pastor Michael, who do you have there? Well, man, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us why you're getting baptized today? Uh, my name is Nicholas Farah, and uh, I want to get baptized to uh, feel to get closer to the Lord with my walk in Christ. Amen. Well, church, why don't we just stretch our hands out to Nick this morning. We're going to play a pray a blessing over him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this young man. We thank you that he has a heart to follow you, follow your guidance, follow your leadership. Lord, we thank you for the step that he is taking towards you today. We pray a blessing over him, that you will be with him, lead him and guide him every, every day, everywhere he goes, that you will be with him. We thank you, Lord, again for his obedient heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, Nick, today we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed. And amen, filled. amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to go back into a worship song. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love the opportunity to pray with you. And if you want to make that decision to follow Christ, you can meet us at the cross, and we'll pray with you for that today. Let's worship the Lord together.